Well, good morning, church family. I'm glad to be in your home this morning, and uh, it's good to gather together, even in our virtual gathering, our online gathering, and dig into the Word, get focused during this time, and uh, be together this Sunday morning as typically our rhythm. It is good to be with you today. You know, testing, testing, it, by definition, testing means uh, measures taken to check the quality, performance, or reliability of something. You remember, remember when you were in school, a uh, teacher would throw a pop quiz, right? And, and what was the whole idea behind a pop quiz? It was startling. It came out of nowhere. You didn't expect it to come. And, and, and you're frantic, you're thinking through, did I study enough? Am I prepared for this? Is my performance going to be okay? We think through all these things as the teacher sends it around. And I remember sitting in this particular test, this pop quiz that came upon me, going, oh, what am I going to do with this? I, I remember it clearly. I, I think I was um, towards the end of middle school or early in my high school career, maybe eighth or ninth grade. And the teacher said, we've got a pop quiz, we're going to send it around. They started sending around the forms. And, and as I got my test and, and the other students got their test, I began to look through it. And the teacher said, I have some instructions for you. Before you take the test, I would like you to read each question on the test. Each question on the test. I never read each time. Just, you know, just, so, so read through all the questions to the final question and then take your test. Fair enough. So I did what I typically did. I did what I wanted to do. And I started the first question. And I'm looking around, and I'm seeing students. And I see some of the other students are starting too. So yeah, let's go. Let's get this done, you know. And I'm looking through it and panic as well as, oh, I know that answer. I know that one. Um, it was developing as I worked through my, my test. And, and as I got to the back page, I started to go down. I got to the final question. And what was bothering me, I was looking around, and some of the students, they had already turned their paper over and were finished. I'm like, Man, how did they get done that fast? And it was putting a lot of pressure on me. I mean, I wanted to be like everyone else in the room. And, and as I got to that final question that I was supposed to have already read, it said, this pop quiz is to test your ability to listen and follow through with direction. If you've read this question before taking the test, you've passed you do not need to answer any question. Simply sign your name and turn the test over. You passed. However, if you answered any of the questions, you failed. I realized why some of the students were already done. They followed the teacher's instructions. They walked through their test to the finish line wrote their names, put the paper down, because they saw how the test ended. You know, it's been a lesson in my life. That the goal of a test is to pass it, not to fail it. And I had failed that test. And I got made fun of in the hallways as they said, boy, you were really writing fast. I remember it. You know, because I wanted to pass the test, can I ask you, how has this crisis that we have found ourselves in been testing you? How have you been navigating this test? I know there are college students that I've had a chance to talk to. They're really annoyed by this, even frustrated. I know high school students have lost spring sports, wonder if they're even going to get to fulfill that dream of graduation with their classmates. I mean, there's some loss associated with this. <laughs> there's some younger kids going, this is great, no school! But there's some moms going, how are we going to survive if dad loses his job? There's some workers out there that don't know if they're going to be laid off through this. There are people out there who are nervous because they weren't able to get to the grocery store in time to get chicken or meat. 
There's some testing going on with this. And you know, the Lord knows how the test will end. So really what he asks of us is not so much to want to know how it ends, but to succeed, to pass the test as we go through it. Testing. Measures taken to check the quality, performance, or reliability of something, especially before putting it into widespread use or practice. You know, it's Warren Wiersbe who says, a faith that cannot be tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. Is God going to use this test? You bet he is. Do you wish to pass it? I hope you do. And I pray today it encourages you to walk like a lion into this fear of the unknown. Our series has been on lions. We've been discussing metaphorically, there are two lions in scripture. It, it seems we, we see this lion in, in 1 Peter 5.8. He's prowling around seeking someone to devour. We also see a lion of Judah in Joel who roars for his people protects those who seek refuge from him. We've asked ourselves, am I going to listen to the roar of fear, that toothless lion? Or am I going to listen to the roar of faith? Today, we're going to open up the book of Daniel again. We're going to look at chapter 3. And this sermon is entitled, Trust Amid Testing. Trust amid testing. Our first week in Daniel, it was conviction amid conformity. Everybody, eat the king's food. Call in the best young men. Uh, be counseled and trained in Babylonian education. And, and Daniel said, I will not eat the king's food. It was sacrificed to idols. And he stood up and had conviction amid all the conformity. That would deny his faith and his loyalty to God. In our, in our second week, it was prudence amid panic. Nebuchadnezzar was panicking. He had this incredible dream. It was a, a scary dream. He, he saw a, a, a golden head, and then there was a, a silver chest, and, and a bronze waist and hip, um, iron legs, feet baked with clay, and, and a rock, and a rock not formed by human hands came and hit the bottom of the statue. And when it hit the statue, it crumbled to the ground and the rock set itself up as a firm foundation and the statue had fallen. And, and Daniel came to him, not in panic, but he spoke into the panicked king's life and said, God has given me the interpretation of this dream. The golden head is your kingdom, Nebuchadnezzar. The silver body. That's the next kingdom, and then the next kingdom, all of lesser value. But one day, a rock will come, not made by human hands. We know this to be speaking most likely of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who will come and crush and set up his throne. Nebuchadnezzar had that dream, and Daniel interpreted it for him. And as we walk into Daniel 3 today, would you join me in prayer? As we look at trust amid testing, what's next in our story? Daniel's been elevated after interpreting this crazy dream of a great image. And now, a new challenge arises. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, use, use Daniel chapter 3, trust amid testing, to inspire us to live for you to inspire us to trust you with what we're going through, to encourage us during this time that you are so much more interested in the process than the result. For you already know how this ends. And Lord, we do pray it ends soon. But Lord, knowing you, you're going to give us time to change you're going to give us some time to be refined. You're going to give us some time to experience some testing. Oh, but I know there's a roaring lion who wants to use this time to tempt us, 
to make us afraid and fearful and full of anxiousness. But your word says, be anxious for nothing. Lord, may we thrive during this time of testing, not just survive. And use your word to inspire us today to walk like lions into this most recent fear. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, well, it seems this dream has kind of stuck in Nebuchadnezzar's head. For most scholars would say that mm, it's around 15 to 20 years that have gone by since we enter chapter 3 of Daniel. And, and, and I say that this dream has kind of stuck with him because look how the text begins if you got the Word of God in front of you on your lap, at your couch or your house or wherever you are. Look at this. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its breadth, six cubits, that's its width, kids, its breadth, okay? He, he set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He, he builds this statue. Have any idea how high 60 cubits is? Yeah, 99 feet high. Look at your ceiling in your room right now of your house. Uh, maybe it's eight feet, nine feet. Maybe some of you have like vaulted ceilings and it's higher, but most ceilings around that eight and a half, nine feet high. I need you to go up 10 stories, 99 feet high, 10 story structure. I'm not sure if there's a 10 story structure in Bucks County. This is extremely high structure and its breadth is about nine by 12 feet wide. So it's kind of like pencil-like this golden image, and it towers into the sky on the plain of Dura. What's Nebuchadnezzar doing? It, it seems this image has stuck with him, and now he's built and erected this massive statue. Let, let's continue. The, the king, Nebuchadnezzar, sent to gather, look at this, the satraps, that's the highest officials in the land, the prefects, that's the military chiefs, the governors, those would be the captains of the providences. The, the counselors, the high-ranking judges. The treasurers, those would be the superintendents of the treasury. The judges, those were probably the secondary judges. The magistrates or the sheriffs, okay? And, and then the officials, those subordinate to the satraps. He's gathering everybody who's in charge within this government of Babylonia. I mean, he's calling them all together. He's, come on out here, come on out here, and, and we're going to dedicate the image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And they came out, and they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Wow, what a moment, standing before this massive, massive image of gold. You know, if I recall, the image that Nebuchadnezzar saw had just a golden head and then a silver chest and bronze hip and thigh, iron legs baked clay. Why is his image all of gold? That's not the image he had. But think back to the interpretation of the dream. The, the dream said that the silver represented a kingdom that would come after Nebuchadnezzar's, and then the bronze, and then the iron, speaking possibly of Rome. Is it possible that this image of gold is not necessarily to remember this dream, but to ensure that dream will not happen? This image will be made of complete gold, for remember, Nebuchadnezzar's was the gold head. That's what he symbolized. But Nebuchadnezzar has built an image of pure gold. Is this an act of defiance against God's dream to say, there will be no kingdom that comes after mine? My kingdom is the only kingdom. Make it of all gold. Erect it and let it stand in the heavens before the God of the Hebrews. I think that is extremely possible and not only that, most likely. And it's one thing to go and dedicate this thing, but watch what gets said. And the herald proclaimed, you are commanded, O peoples and nations and language, that whenever you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, 
bagpipe, in every kind of music. Can we stop for a second? What's a trigon? Okay. Um, trigon, kids, if you got like a triangle or even make it like a stringed instrument, you know, it could look like a triangle guitar, get the idea, trigon. All right, so maybe make a trigon today while you're at home, okay? But, but the harp, bagpipe, all sorts of music going on. All sorts of music going on. When you hear every kind of music, here comes just another decree from Nebuchadnezzar. You are to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. What? Yeah, fall down. I don't want you only to submit to this. I don't want you only to dedicate this. I don't want you only to, to, to look at it. I want you to worship it. You see, at that time period, the monarch of a kingdom represented the nation as well. There's an aspect to this image of gold that was not just worship of its government, but it had religious undertones to it that Nebuchadnezzar was some sort of deity that needed to be worshipped. I mean, you might be thinking, I don't know if I would want to do that. I mean, that's odd, but I mean, Nebuchadnezzar, I mean, he has these lion's dens we hear of in Babylonian where people are thrown and torn apart. I mean, I, I, I'm, I probably, I mean, listen, I, I want to live. My family needs me, you know? I mean, I can't just be dying. I, I, I need to do that. I mean, I got I to gotta live like this. I mean, what was going through these people's heads as all these instruments cranked up? I think the herald knew that there would be some possible pushback because look what's said next. Whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. What? There were brick kilns. They were kind of, if you're watching here, they were kind of in the shape of it was narrow at the top and then it would get wider around its belly kind of like maybe grandpa right no it would just get wider and so I want you to picture these huge brick kilns what, what were they for well they would throw in the bricks and bake them for the massive building projects that Nebuchadnezzar was constantly working on because Nebuchadnezzar was bigger better best all the time everything he did was over the top including the statue and around this statue that was most likely many believe archaeologists as well believe that it was possibly built with brick and then covered in gold because of its height well well these stones or brick that it was baked with they had these kilns around it and, and they were so large you could throw human beings into them in fact there's documents outside of scripture that talk about the Babylonian empire that speak of people being thrown into brick kilns. This is what Nebuchadnezzar is saying. Anybody who doesn't worship this thing, we're going to burn you alive. What a severe decree. Folks, severe decrees like this, they can do some things. They can impose strict regulations on people. Public pressures and even personal ramifications. I think uh, in the time period we're living in, we can resonate with this better than ever before. For many of you are receiving some strict regulations. Now, they're not to worship an idol or worship our government, but instead to protect, especially our seniors and the many people we love. But there's public pressures to not abide. I, I heard a story just this week of, of someone who came in a mail room to drop off some mail and, and the lady was coughing. And, and they said that this person was almost treated like a leper. People were like, you're not supposed to be out like that. What are you doing here? And people were backing up in the corners, really ostracizing that woman. And she, I don't have, I just, I'm sorry I coughed. I, I'm not sick. Public pressure. And even personal ramifications. Uh, we spoke to people here at church. They, they're, they're going to be without work for a time period here. It's difficult. And so, I think we can resonate with this slide, with these thoughts, more, more than maybe in other times of our life. How has this impacted you? What we're going through? You know, 
was thinking about this image. Is there, is there any idol I would worship besides the one true God? I mean, do I bow down to any idols? You might be thinking, no, I don't, I mean, I don't have any idols in my life. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, that's, that's awkward. But, but let, me, let me ask you, um, is it possible you've been worshiping the um, God of comfort? Some of our comforts have been taken away. I mean, we've lost the ability to do some things we were used to doing. Some of our vacations, our plans, our trips to see people. How about the God of security? I mean, sometimes we get worshiping things that aren't our Heavenly Father, but our savings account and how much is in it. Or whether a check will come. What about the God of control? I mean, have we set up idols in our life? That we're worshiping? You know, it kind of gets exposed in times like this. When you lose them, how do you react? You know, what about the God of safety? What about even the God of sports? Our country, look, I love sports. Listen, listen, you talk about images. I love to play um, some fantasy football. I mean, uh, you know, and my guys, I, I won the league one time, and my guys got me Perk City Fantasy Football Champion. And it's this guy sitting on his couch with his remote and his football. And um, I, I, I put this in my office. It's a fun thing. It's all the guys, you know, we, we, we play this together, have a good time with it. But um, I'll tell you what. I got some young people who have lost spring sports. It hurts. But it exposes, were those things becoming more important to me than even God? What about, what about those idols we set up in our life? You know, when I first got into ministry, my mom got me this to set on my desk. It's a, it's a pastor praying. It says this, Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. May the only idol we ever bow down to may not be any idol made by human hands. May not be some golden image. May we never bow down to any idol at all. For we're not to make idols. And I think sometimes, oh, they're not instructed by human hands, but we are to worship one God, the true God. And, and there were three guys who knew that. Three guys who were convinced of that. Three guys that amidst all the reactions responded in a God-honoring way. Because you see, you see, severe decrees can impose strict regulations public pressures, and personal ramifications. You know what else they can do? They can expose fearful reactions, defiant compliance, and astonishing trust. Yeah, they can respond. I don't know how we're going to do this. I mean, what if this happens? What if this happens? I mean, what if this could happen? And I'm about to find clients. This is the dumbest thing I have ever seen in my life. I cannot believe I'm going through this. This is ridiculous. This is made up. I, I'm, I'm so frustrated. But it can also expose astonishing trust. I get to do weddings as a pastor. And have you ever heard the phrase, a quarter of three strands is not easily broken? It's in a lot of weddings, you know, and things like that. Um, it comes from Ecclesiastes 4.12. It, it says this. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. But a quarter of three strands is not quickly broken. I want to show you astonishing trust. I mean, not like, hey, that's pretty good trust. This is astonishing trust. And what's great about it is there's no correspondence of the three of them talking about it, conversing about it. There's just immediate action in unity. And the three of, three, three strings, three cords tied together. It's not quickly broken. Look what happens next. 
Therefore, as soon as all the peoples heard the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, all the peoples, nations, and language fell down and worshipped the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. I worship you. I do what you say. But the plot thickens. Verse 8. Therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. They declared to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. What's going on here? What's going on here? You know, it's interesting. This Chaldean, they would have had something if Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were released of their positions. For Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had raised to the level of nobles, and these Chaldeans could step into their positions. This is a malicious attack. Let's look what happens. It says this, You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, they shall fall down and worship the golden image. You made a decree. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylonian. Shagrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. These men pay no attention. You going to be okay with that? And you know how they say, they don't, they don't worship like everyone else. They say, they pay no attention to you. Oh, they know. They know this king. If you don't listen to him, not going to respond well. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in a furious rage, he commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. And so they brought them before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Is it true? Now, if you're ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, Liar, trigon, enough with all the instruments already. Is that what you're thinking? This is Hebrew literature. It's repeating this. This is something that the writer wants to impress upon you. And every kind of music, fall down and worship the image that I have made. And we're well and good. It's almost like you got one more chance. I don't want to burn you alive, but I will. You can almost see the bagpipers and the trigon. Um, or, or should we start playing? But he turns and he gives another order. He says this, but if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace, and who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Nebuchadnezzar had witnessed the God of Daniel, who many believe may have been called away on other sort of business during this time. But he witnessed the God of Daniel, who gave Daniel the interpretation of his dream. And he said, everybody serve the God of Daniel. But the same God of Daniel is the same God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I'm not sure he met this one yet. Because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they had a God who delivers. Not just interprets dreams, but delivers. It's almost like Nebuchadnezzar thinks, okay, maybe Daniel's God, he can interpret dreams, but nobody, I'm the king of kings, nobody can keep you safe from me. Wow. Can you, can you sit down for this? If you've been moving around the room or been checking on something, can you sit down and watch astonishing faith for a second in action? I mean, when I read these words, I get chills. Here it is. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king. Folks, this isn't like, wow, I'm feeling a lot of pressure here, like an interview. This is, you're going to die. And we've kind of noted that King Nebuchadnezzar is not a stable human being. O King Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, Our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. What? 
we believe we have a God that can save us. They could have said, but, but it's probably not good for us to stand up like this. We probably should just submit because, I mean, we should have God-fearing people in the kingdom. I mean, it's not a good move for us to stand up here. I mean, that we'll lose our influence, and God would want us to have our influence. I mean, they could have had a lot of what-ifs going through their head, but they basically said to King Nebuchadnezzar, okay, you can enforce all these decrees on us, you can put us under regulations and all these things, but you can't get us to worship another God but our God. And if we have to pay for it, we believe our God will deliver. But you know, it's one thing to believe God can deliver. It's another to believe he will deliver. More than just can, will. Do you believe God can get your family through this crisis? Oh yeah, I do, I do. Do you believe God can give you strength and not anxiety and fear during this crisis? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you believe he will? Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. We heard a cry to Jesus. You ready? This next phrase is right up there with some of David's phrases like, you come at me with a sword, I come at you with a God of angel armies, okay? Here, here's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said. We believe God will save us, but even if he does not, what? Even if he does not, be it known to you, O king, they remain respectful that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. We believe God can deliver us from you, but even if he doesn't, wow, even if he doesn't, be it known to you, we're not going to worship any idol. We worship God. You know, they say every man has a price. Not these guys. They're willing to even give their life. Do your worst, Nebuchadnezzar. We're not bowing down to your idol. Severe demands. But, but, but Shadrach, what if? Meshach, what if? It, it got me thinking. When I hear this, even if faith, okay? What? What if? Is testing your even if. Isn't that, isn't that something? What, what if, what if, what if is testing your even if? Even if. What, what if I miss out? Kids, you might have ever said, I mean, what if I miss out? What if our kids miss out? We have to have them in every single league in the world. What if they miss out? You know what? Even if I miss out. What, 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 if, what if I'm made fun of? What if I'm mocked? For what I believe. What if I'm made fun of for going to church? What if I'm made fun of? You know what? Even if. Even if. It, it, what if they never talk to me again? I mean, what if I do this and then I never talk to me? I mean, I mean so, so is it. What, what if, you know what? Even if. Yeah, what, what if, what if I lose my job? I mean, what would happen then? I mean, what could this look like? I mean, we were playing on this. You know what? Even if I lose my job. You know, what, what, if, what, what if I'm quarantined, or, or, or what if our family's this? I mean, you know what? Even if we're quarantined, I'm going to trust God. What, what, if, what if I'm judged for what I stand for? What if I'm, you know what? Even if. The cry of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was, even if we die, I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory in this. Whether, whether God delivers us from the fiery furnace or whether we die, either way, we're going to see a victory because we believe life is far more than just this time on earth. It's all of eternity, and we know we'll be with our Heavenly Father even if 
We're not going to worship another God. We're going to see a victory. Now, are you thinking Nebuchadnezzar probably handled that great? He was probably like, you know what? That's really good, guys. I appreciate your view. You know, it's Proverbs that says, a king's wrath is like the roar of a lion. He who angers him forfeits his life. Watch the reaction. Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury, and the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It, you know, kids, I remember being little, and I remember watching my dad's expression change towards me when I was naughty. I, I know what that looks like. It's like, eh. You know, okay, this is not good, okay? He's full of fury, watch this. And, then, and he says, he ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated. And he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Why did he might need mighty men? Tie them up tight, extra tight, and, and cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then, these men bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their garments, and they were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace. Now watch this, watch this. Because the king's order was urgent, and the furnace overheated, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The guys who were taking them were killed. It was so hot. Now I read that and go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Watch this. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning fiery furnace. Oh, man, Chris, you were setting me up. I thought something great was going to happen. But they're dead. Man, that's great faith, though. I mean, they said, they said you know, even if God doesn't deliver us, we're, we're going to the flames. I mean, that's a story worth telling. You're right, Chris. I'm glad. That's a story worth telling. Men who stood up and were willing to be burned alive. I got to ask myself a question. Am I willing to go through the fire? I know where you're headed with this, Pastor. Am I willing to go to the fire? Lord, I want to be willing to handle this test and be willing to go into the fire of the fear of the unknown and, and the fear of what's next. I, I'm willing, Lord. But that's not how the story ends. Nebuchadnezzar looked. And he was astonished. He wasn't like, huh, that's interesting. It was, he rose up in haste. Everything Nebuchadnezzar does is in haste. Have you ever noticed this? He declared to his counselors, did we not cast three bound into the fire? Were there not three men bound in the fire? I, 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 true, O king, true, true. I, I feel like they said, true, O king, because they were probably going. He answered and said, but I see four men. Unbound. They're free. Something has freed them in this fiery test. In the midst of this test, they're walking around free. They're not bound by my roars. And they're walking in the midst of the fire, and they're not hurt. This is supposed to destroy them. This is supposed to ruin their lives. We're supposed to mock them as they die. And, 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 then, and then the appearance of a fourth is like the son of God's. What? What? Many scholars would tell you this is possibly theophany or a, a look of Jesus or a Christophany, a look of Jesus prior to his incarnation. We see it possibly with Joshua outside the walls of Jericho. Jesus showing up in the midst of the fire. Folks, no matter what fire is testing you right now. If you know Jesus Christ is your savior, you're not alone. You're not in isolation. You're not by yourself. There's another in the fire. Right there with you.
If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, would you like another in the fire with you? Scripture tells us God so loved the world that he brought, gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Should not perish. You want to not perish in this fire? Make sure there's another in the fire with you. God tells us in his word, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. Saved from what? Saved from an eternity of separation from God. An eternity, scripture tells us, of hell. Flames. Fire. But even in this fire of life, if we know Jesus as our Savior, He is walking with us through it. And you know, it doesn't speak anywhere of, Dan, of, of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego talking to him, or maybe even knowing he was there. It was Nebuchadnezzar who saw he was there. I don't know if the three of them saw him. Sometimes it feels that way when we go through our fires. I can't see him, but he shows up in so many ways because these were three guys who said, we're going to see a victory in this fire. Look what happens. Nebuchadnezzar came near the door of the burning fire first. He declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire, and here's what I picture. <laughs> and the satraps, prefects, governors, king's counselors gathered together, and they saw that the fire had not any power over the bodies of the men. The hair of their heads was not singed, their cloaks were not harmed, and no smell of fire had come upon them. Are, are you kidding me? The fire had no power? Are you saying in some of the fires of my life, they can have no power if I walk in faith and trust amid the fiery test I'm in right now? Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent an angel and delivered his servants, who trusted in him and set aside the king's demand, and, and, and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. Deliverance. Folks, what, what's, your, what's your fiery furnace right now? What are you going through? You know, the devil, he tempts us to destroy our faith. He tempts us to destroy our faith. He wants you in this fire just completely falling apart. He wants you screaming at your wife. Mom, he wants you angry at those kids. Kids, he wants you pouting for all the things you've lost. College student, he wants you mad and discouraged. The devil wants you all destroyed by this. And he wants to laugh at you. He wants to mock you. And he wants your family to completely fall apart. He wants you to completely fall apart. He wants you to live with panic, anxiety, and fear. And he wants those flames to terrify you in this fire. But God allows us to be tested, to develop our faith. Faith is kind of like a muscle. The more you use it, the stronger it grows. And anybody who works out knows there's different muscles to the body, and those muscles need to be targeted sometimes to get stronger so that we're more prepared. Because a faith that can't be tested can't be trusted. 1 Peter 1.7 tells us, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it's tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We're being tested. Who are we going to trust? Ourselves? The world? Our bank account? You know, when we go through testing, here's a couple categories for you as we wrap up here. 
Where are you being tested? Are your priorities being tested? Are you being asked to sacrifice something? And it's making you go, you know what? I was prioritizing things I probably shouldn't have. Lord, thank you for this fire. Um, how about inconvenience? How many of us like to be inconvenienced? Lord, I need to be willing to be interrupted. Thank you for this test. How about a test of authority? I'm... Scripture tells us to submit to our authorities because God has put them in place. Whether you like their decisions or not, how are you handling that test? Willingness to submit. Folks, we're not being asked to worship anything. We're not being asked to bow down. We're being asked to protect human lives and submit to an authority over us. It's going to test some of us. How about test of contentment? Many of us, we've been living with much and we're going to need to live with a little less right now. Lord, thank you for this test of contentment. How about a test of comfort? I, I mean, God, I like my life this way. How about the test of compromise? You know what? I know you're not supposed to do that, but I'm going to do it anyway, you know, because I need this. I mean, God, you know we need this. Our family needs this. We're going to be challenged. Our integrity is going to be challenged and tested. God's watching that. You going to pass that test? Since when do we ever listen to our government? You going to pass this test? How about the test of small stuff? Can I talk to you little kids for a second? You might be tested to share more than you ever have right now because everybody's home. You might be tested to wait for your snack for just a few minutes because mom has to get some other things. Mom, I want it now! Sometimes we're tested in the small stuff. Why? Why? Because a faith that isn't tested can't be trusted. And maybe God wants to entrust you with more. I, I, I could, I could... I could lose my job, though, and my family. Or God could be saying, you would have never left that job, so I have to end this because I got something ten times better for you. You're going to see a victory. Are you going to trust me? I believe I'm going to see a victory. I believe I'm going to get through this, but you know what? Even if I don't, I will worship God and put my trust in him character they say isn't just developed through testing character is revealed through testing God had this for you in your day and age this wasn't a mistake we live in a sin cursed world and because we have a sin cursed world we will see suffering and pestilence and th all these things until God comes and renews this and makes all things new. We are going to have to deal sometimes with the results of sin in this world. But we have a good God who said, even though you will have trouble, take heart. I've overcome it. Let's not just, let's not just go through this test. Let's pass this test. God knows how it's going to end. Are we willing to trust him through it? Let's finish the story. Therefore... I make a decree, and people of nation language speaks anything against God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb, and their houses laid in ruins. Nebuchadnezzar, really? Everything is someone dying. For there is no other God who is able to rescue in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. You know, there's something interesting with every fiery furnace of life. I, I teach this to my kids. When you go through a time of suffering, look out. There's most likely a time of exaltation at the end of it. For that's the way it worked with Jesus Christ. He suffered, but then he was exalted. The name above every name. And one day, one day, whether voluntarily or involuntarily, you will bow to that name, Scripture says. One day, Scripture says, every knee 
every knee will bow and declare that Jesus is Lord. You have a choice. Bow now or be forced to bow later. For he is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. And he calls out to you in the midst of your fiery furnace. In the midst of the burning and the hot ashes. Of whatever your fear might be. And he says this. I want to give you a victory. I want to go through this with you. Will you trust me? And be Jesus through this? God, let our prayer be through whatever fire we feel upon us right now. Lord, I want, I want to live in such a way that would honor you through this testing. Lord, may I choose to protect people and be safe. Lord, may I trust you with my future. Lord, may I trust you with my work. May I trust you with my business, God. May I trust you with this summer. May I trust you with this wedding we had coming up. May I trust you with the, the fact that I really wanted to graduate with my friend. May I trust you through this. And instead of dwelling on the what-ifs, May I just lock into the even if I don't get what I'd like, I'm going to remain faithful to you. That is a test that passes with flying colors. Lord, be with all our people listening today. May you show yourself to them in this fire. In Jesus' name, amen.